You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides. Your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is a little lore episode for the Centrifuge Auto Rifle. I am your host for this episode, and my name is Orkin. And I am Elemist. Hello. Yo. Yo. I have some podcast info for you. Uh, we encourage feedback. It can be sent to us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore. You can tweet at me at hey, it's Orchid. You can tweet at Elemist at I underscore am underscore Elemist. You can send us an email at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. You can check us out on Instagram at guardians of lore or guardians of lore if you're pedantic. You can send us a review wherever you can find the podcast. Uh, Apple is probably the best place, but you know, whatever floats your boat. You can find us in our Discord, which is discord.gg slash lorehub, or there is a link in the episode description down below. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps, and we greatly appreciate everything you can give us. Yeah, we do. Thank you. Thank you. We really do. Thank you so much. Um, thanks again to our current subscribers, Valaragna, Linkman22, Doom, Firebired, Salad and Scrutons, and Unnamed Guardian, Lesson 3. We very much appreciate everything you guys give us so we can pay Rendell and we don't have to chain him to his desk in the basement. I'm still down here, guys. Um, you can find all of our info on the lorenetwork.com alongside many impressive lore content creators. And I think we're still there. We're still there. Oh, good. I mean, we just recorded a different episode like 10 minutes ago. We were still there. So I'm just going to assume we're still there. Yeah. So since this is a little lore, we have a zero toggle for you. Unless you want to hear us talk about microtransactions, because that's what everyone's bitching about right now. That and like the surfers are bad. <laughs> I keep getting kicked when I'm trying to fish. That really sucks. <laughs> but, you know, the stuff. So... If you don't like it, go play a different game. There's a lot out right now. <gasps> yep. I have to tell you, I have to tell you. So all of the um, all of the demos are currently out on Steam at the moment. This will they'll be gone by the time this comes out. But I was playing Little Kitty Big City. OK. And it is the, the demo is so cute. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> yeah. You are a cat. Picture this. You are a house cat in Japan. You live in an apartment like three or four floors up. You fell out of your apartment to the ground floor and you're suddenly outside and you don't know how to be like a big city kitty and you have to like get back into your apartment somehow by learning how to be a kitty and you can like knock things off of walls and like find fish and there's like lots of animals that want to be your friend and there's hats that you can put on and uh, like you learn how to like knock people over and steal their shit <laughs> and it's so good 
No. You can like learn how to jump on like birds and like get their feathers and there's collectibles. And now, to be it's fair, so good. to be fair, I don't know how to be a big city kitty anyway. So like. Yeah, but you learn. That's the point of the game. <laughs> you too can be a big city kitty. <laughs> it's very good. It's so good. I had so much fun in the demo. I cannot wait until the game comes out. Um, unfortunately, the summer like demo, whatever, will be gone by the time this comes out. But oh my gosh, I had so much fun. Put it on your wish lists on Steam. It's going to come out on Steam uh, consoles and I think Switch when it comes out. Okay. Like eventually when it comes out. But Holy crap. I had so much fun. I cannot wait until it comes out. All the characters are so great. Like, it's so much fun. And the graphics are so cute. And see, I, I've been playing uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. And there were a few Pokemon that were shiny locked that they just released, like the ability to catch shiny versions of them. So like that, that was a short grind. But uh, yeah. Tears of the Kingdom has been my my time sink. I mean, that's not you don't do you get collectible hats? Uh, you you go get outfits. Uh, the, so fashion is a part of the game. Yeah. OK, well, that's important. I got a frog hat and a rabbit hat and a ladybug hat. There was another hat I don't remember. So obviously it wasn't important, but the frog hat was the one I wore all the time for those for the, the listeners who have played the N64 Zelda games, I have gotten the Majora's Mask. Oh, and well, shit. It, like, there was an actual Zelda game on the N64 called The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. And it was about a guy who got possessed by a mask to the point that, like, he was bringing the moon to crash down on Hyrule. Like, the actual place that you're at. Um, actually... The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask takes place in Termina, a land that is parallel to Hyrule. Listening back on this, I realize exactly how much of a Zelda snob I sound, and I don't care. Oh. So you spend the entire game just stopping that guy, stopping that that kid. Well, the mask that he wore is the one that I earned. And like a lot of the fashion in the game, you earn by completing certain tasks, completing different side quests. Like there was one that was a Colosseum, but it had like all these difficult monsters in it called Lionels. They're like kind of like Minotaurs, but they also have lion aspects to them by defeating like four or five of them in a row. And like each one being tougher than the last one, you end up getting the mask. So like, you go through and and do all these different side quests and and different areas and stuff and you're able to get the fashion the fashion seems like the end game though that and to see what kind of war crime you can create with the various devices i did not expect you to say war crime when we're talking about zelda <laughs> but you know you surprise me a little bit every day so I don't think that's a good let's thing. Let's move on to our favorite war crime, which is destiny. <laughs> so do you want to I'm going to talk about the little lore explanation. Um, some lore is impressed neatly into lore books, but they add to the overall universe of destiny. 
So we're going to use these little lore episodes to do a deep dive into these individual lore tabs. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And this time we're jumping into the centrifuge. How is it obtained? Uh, this is the seasonal exotic weapon for season 21, Season of the Deep. It was given out at rank one of the season pass. Apparently it also slaps in the crucible. It does. But I don't know if it's because of like the seasonal artifact mods or because it is actually really good. Mm, why not just yes? <laughs> yes. So the flavor text reads breakthrough or broken. And the Lord tab reads excerpts from a pre-collapse report logged by Dr. Katun Rowe a researcher in the engineering division of the new Pacific Arcology, Titan. Since Dr. Pell's breakthrough on methods of magnetic containment last year, we've successfully stabilized multiple ionic reactors. They have allowed us to expand our division's plasma technology work beyond research into development. Because the Arcology's turbines have been generating more energy than the facility consumes, leadership has decided, over the objections of DM Korosek, to focus initial trials on force-multiplying technology. Ostensibly, leadership's hope is to supplement invasive and costly gene-splicing technology with power suits that could greatly extend our divers' uptime. While the power suit initiative seems benign, Arcology leadership's insistence on controlled ionic emissions research is clearly geared towards weapon development. Though I will, of course, give my full focus to our new directive, I pray these weapons remain prototypes, discarded and forgotten in the back room of history. Cool. We're reading somebody's memo. Yeah. Science memo. Um, this reads just like every other fucking memo in science. Just makes your brain go. Bleh. Yeah, not going to lie. It's really neat, my, though. My brain was a little bit on cruise control there. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, this weapon is really neat because you become overpowered when you run and you build up a charge. So it's like rubbing your feet on the floor. It's like Dune Marchers. Yeah, it is like Dunies, but a gun. Yeah. It's very neat. So just in terms of like, I don't know if people know how a force multiplier works um, or for, for force multiplication. I have no idea. Why don't you tell us? Okay, I will. I would love to tell you. So in terms of like military science and not necessarily just in terms of like physics or anything like that, it is a factor that gives or like a combination of factors, not necessarily just like one thing that gives people or hardware the ability to accomplish greater feats than without it. It's not necessarily just like a gun. It could be tactics or it could be greater outfits or it could be like you have um, like, have you ever heard of an Oda loop before, which is observe, orient, decide, act? 
No, I hadn't heard of it before. Okay, so an Odo loop is something that like snipers are taught or people who do like uh, long range shooting or anything like that. Or if you do, um, I had really bad focus when I was a kid. I still do. I don't know if you could tell. So <laughs> I mean, don't we all? I know, right? My dad was in the military when I was a kid, and um, a lot of his friends did a lot of like tactical things, and they thought it would be really funny to see if I could learn this concept to see if it would help me learn how to focus. <laughs> it didn't, <laughs> but I did like it. It's a way to teach yourself like how to make very quick decisions to take in a lot of information to then select all of your best decisions and then act really quickly. So the idea it's um, it was created by John Boyd. Uh, I don't know when it was created. I want to say it was like World War One or something. It's really old, but a lot of snipers use this. So the observe is to use whatever sensors, usually your eyeballs, but um, observe your surroundings, like take in all the information that you have. You orient yourself to like wherever the um, you put all of your new observations and with all of your old context. And then you decide what your next action is going to be based on your new observations with your old observations. And then you act. So you carry out whatever your new order or whatever your new action is going to be. Hopefully, while the other people are still, you know, doing like what they think your old action is. So you can act quicker than they are. You get it? Kind of. So, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Usually it's kind of a it's a way to or it's a it's a way to slot all of your thoughts quickly and like once you get faster and faster at it, then you can it, it's 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 a way to pull in a lot of information, organize it and then gear yourself to do another thing. There are other things that you can do with like force multiplication. It's also about like, how good are your ships? Like, how good is your planes? Like, how good if you have GPS and they don't sucks to be them. Like, if your GPS is super good and you know where you're going and they don't, that's like a force multiplier of like 10, you know? Okay. who knows if like Alexander the Great on his fucking like elephants like that's a force multiplier. Other guys don't got fucking elephants, you know, but he does like that's a force multiplier, you know? Like, it's all these different things can be force multipliers. So it's that kind of idea. I am not in the military, so I am really bad at describing this, but it's that kind of idea. So that's kind of the idea of force multiplication. There's it's the same kind of thing in like science, but in like the idea of military research, like that's kind of what force multiplication is. OK, mm -hmm. it's it's still clicking in my head and it's it's probably going to be like that hamster is just going to be going on the wheel for a while. <laughs> but the whole idea is really you want to be and they you'll hear a lot of people making the whole argument this will be this is this is like a term in like corporate speak like don't be a team player be a force multiplier like that kind of like corpo speak oh god it's blah like 
or it's it's like I'm listening to my company's HR. Yeah. Or like, don't be like a time or like a five times developer, be a force multiplier. It's like, what does that even mean? It means nothing. It just means like be that force multiplier, be that GPS. Don't be a fucking, you know, elephant going over the mountains, whatever, you know, be the GPS that they need. Gotcha. Don't be the sailboat. Be the goddamn like the battleship. Like, you know, that's the idea of it. Be the force multiplier. Okay. But yeah. You have to have the better guns than the other team has. It's essentially what it comes down to. And and that makes sense. Yeah. So what else did we get out of this besides the heavy, heavy, giant idea of force multiplication, which could be talked about for another half an hour? So uh, there are three different names in this entry. Okay. After a quick search, I didn't find anything for Dr. Katoon Rowe. Oh. But... I did find something interesting for Dr. Pell. Okay, tell us more. Um, so the very first mention of Dr. Pell was on the Lost Pacific cloak. That came with like original vanilla D2. It was uh, uh, on the lore tab of the cloak was an actual like diary entry. And the doctor's like her name is Dr. Shanice Pell. And she was talking about like the Ishtar Collective and their endless audits and Clovis Bray's network protocols and like the headache that all of that caused. So she doesn't like having to do paperwork because of Clovis Bray. I mean, who? Who who, who does? Right. Nobody. Right. Yeah, I'm with her. But that's only one of the Dr. Pells. The other one was in the book Revelation from Shadowkeep. Oh, shit. There's two. Her husband. <gasps> tell me more so and like i don't think he's a doctor um so i i think dr pell is actually referring to shanice but her husband was actually referenced in the in the lost pacific cloak it was kind of like she was writing in her diary to her husband well one of the identities for the entry waking dreams in the revelation lore book was david pell now was he also on Titan or was he on Earth or on the moon? I mean, it it sounds like he was on the moon. So they were both working for Clovis Bray, but in separate places. That's what it seems like. The entry, like it starts out with like the whole document jargon of like, you know, record number and identities, location, all that kind of stuff. But the very first actual entry was, no, I have to talk to her. I'm sorry, Commander. Too much time with the transceiver. David just needs some rest. I do not. So, like, it sounds like he was too close to the the K1 artifact for too long. Now, was he... Do you think he was doing research on the artifact? Or do you think he was a test subject for the artifact? I don't think anybody actually was a test subject, unless you count everybody who was around it. I, I think that was more just like an accident. but. People, they ended up all becoming experiments in the end because, like, we all know what happened to the K1 site. Absolutely. It was bedlam. <laughs> but it's, it seems like David was really starting to, uh, to feel the effects. Ugh. 
I'm I'm just browsing real quick to see if there's anything else from David later on. No, there isn't. Okay. So it it sounds like he was one of the first ones to actually start losing it because of the K1 artifact. Everybody else had, you know, they saw the the figure at the the foot of their bed and you know out of the corner of their eye, but David was the first one to just like mentally break. Oh, it's so sad and tragic that he wasn't there with his wife when that happened or she didn't know about it. Because like the actual entries here, you know, he's shouting out, no, I have to talk to her. I'm sorry, Commander. Too much time with the transceiver. David just needs some rest. I do not. He and I were just talking about that. You mean you were trying to stick a needle in me? David, stop. No, don't touch me. She doesn't get it, Commander. Like, he's becoming unhinged. Right. Like, uh, and Nescafe really did a number on them. Yeah. Like, looking back at, at what all this was, like, Nescafe really fucked people up. Yeah. Um, but then the last name, uh, Korosek, they were mentioned in the last days of Kraken Mare. Oh, that was when, um, the, when the war mine went crazy. Yep. Tried to kill everybody. So, D.M. Korosek is David Miguel Korosek. Okay. Uh, it's not a false alarm, the good man says. This voice Mia didn't expect, but only because he's the new guest at, their, at her table. David Miguel Korosek, a man who's literally never harmed a fly, who won't eat plants lest he destroy a sacred entropy pump. Poor David. He came here to make first contact with new life. The wonders that flourish not in Mia's ocean, the methane sea of Titan's surface, but in the enormous water world that lies below Titan's 50-kilometer ice shell. He is an ethicist. He wanted to help them do it right. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> so, when it says, you know, because the ecology's turbines have been generating more energy than the facility consumes, leadership has decided over the objections of DM Korosek to focus initial trials on force multiplying technology. So Korosek was completely against it. And it's it's because like he was tasked with being the moral compass. Yeah, and they're trying instead on force multiplying technology. So technology that will make it bigger, stronger, more guns, more things that'll make them more military ready. Yeah. Which is completely against what he was brought on for yeah so it's just it's it's funny to see the the little breadcrumbs that are in this entry i mean that totally that one sentence makes so much sense like now knowing what force multiplying technology is right knowing who dm korosek is now right like that that is just like so much deeper now than if we didn't look all of that up and knowing and granted like all of this is like it says here you know excerpts from a pre-collapse report yeah yeah this is like the shortest thing ever <laughs> right like it's it's an excerpt but like yeah there's there's so much to dive into with all this when you start breaking down it, just the few pieces that we have yeah, but <clears throat> even Katoon Rose says, I pray these weapons remain prototypes. 
discarded and forgotten in the back room of history. I mean, Boat Gun is, like I said, it's super slaps and crucible. It is so good. Like, if you're running ARC with it, it's just like, it's so good. Building into it, like, yeah, you're you're wrecking. Yeah, you really have to build into it, but it's really good. Anyway, do you have anything else on it? Uh, those were the major things that I saw. Yeah, I don't have anything else on it either. Um, shout outs. What is your favorite auto rifle? Uh, I'm going to go a little old school with it. I think we're all going old school. We are. What's your favorite old school auto rifle? This is just D2. We're not going into D1. Right. Um, mine came with Forsaken. Oh. Like Forsaken proper. Mm-hmm. And it is the Tiger Spite. That is the auto rifle from the Dreaming City. Yes, it is. I love that auto rifle. It's so pretty. It may not be the best auto rifle, but like it has an amazing sound to it. It's also beautiful. Oh, yeah. The Dreaming City weapons are just gorgeous. The weapons and armor, honestly, yeah. and they shade really well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can get them again, like completely re-rolled and they have an origin perk now. Yes. Yes, they do. I don't know what the origin perk is, but... I don't know either. I think they're better now, question mark? I don't know. Tiger Spite's never really been my favorite because it never really, like, hit hard. Right. But, um... Like I said... I do like how it looks. It may not be the best, Mm -hmm. but it is definitely one that that has my heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. What about you? Mine is a prosecutor which is from year one i want to say uh is a trials of the nine auto rifle and it came from the time when you could change what your um what your burn was on your weapons so you could like insert your little mod and change it from like solar to void to arc do you remember that so good so i have all three flavors Yep, I held on to all of them. Bougie. <laughs> I know, I'm so bougie. I have all three. <laughs> so I'm just holding on to them just in case I can use them again. <laughs> you know, one of these days. And they never brought them back for um, the dungeon. I was just like really hoping they would since they brought some of those weapons back, but they just never brought Prosecutor back. Yeah. Which is a shame because they brought back the one that just was not as good. Yeah. Prosecutor was always this way better, but I love that gun. I love it so much. So good. It is a really good, a very strong auto rifle. I mean, Prosecutor was a 450 RPM, wasn't it? Prosecutor is, yeah, it's a 450. And yeah, uh, the last breath was 600. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it hit harder. Yeah, I'm just like really, I really like 450s. They just feel really good to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 450 energy auto rifle. And I mean, hell, Tiger yeah. Spite was a 450 as well. Mm-hmm. I actually pulled it out to do Prophecy the other day. Yeah. When I was running it because it has no light level requirement. And I really needed like a void auto rifle. So I was like, I'll just use Prosecutor. Totally worked <laughs> out really well. So still works really well when you need one. I just used it. It was really great. Okay. Uh, Rindles is ringing nail from the Forges. Which is also a 450 RPM. It is. 
which ringing nail is a very good ironically enough the three of us chose the same exact archetype of, of auto rifle <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh my gosh like ringing nail was such a good auto rifle i miss the forge weapon so much kindled orchid man they, they were beautiful they were one of these days we'll get them back yeah that shotgun though oh my god yes oh <sighs> one of these days anyway i have some special thanks for you the audio for this episode was produced by rindle zevis you can find him at rindle zevis the artwork in and the music in this episode is copyrighted Bungie. We're able to use it under their fair use policy because they love their content creators. will. If you'd like to dive into Destiny lore on your own, visit ishar-collective.net. They're the resource we use to make our show notes. Thank you, Baxter. Thank you, Baxter. Uh, here's some reminders. You can find us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore. You can find me at hey, it's orchid. You can find Elemist at I underscore am underscore Elemist. You can send us an email at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. You can find us on Instagram at guardians of lore. You can leave us a review wherever you can leave reviews. Join our discord, discord.gg slash lorehub. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps and we really do appreciate it. Thank you. That's about it. You have anything else to say for yourself, Elmas? drink more Ovaltines? No one drinks Ovaltine. Despite what the commercial said. No wonder the world is going to shit. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Ew, I've been getting ads for marshmallows on Twitter lately because I blocked like every single other ad in existence and they're like, please look at these ads for handcrafted marshmallows. We're running out of ads to give you. And I'm like, okay, I'll look at these ads. These are fine. <laughs> I don't know. Buy handcrafted marshmallows, I guess. I don't fucking know. Anyway, bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Oh, God. <laughs> Otters, question mark? <laughs> Take care, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Have a good night. Otters with marshmallows? Are squishy? No! <laughs> I'm, actually, yeah, they would be squishy. Correct.